Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now, saints, the first point you need to understand is healing and forgiveness are intimately tied together. Look, a lot of times people don't get their healing because their lives are all bound up in sin that's not forgiven. That's not, that they haven't been able to reconcile themselves to God. And they're plagued because they're open vessels for everything Satan wants to dump on them. Because they've got all this bitterness, this anger, this unforgiveness, the sin that's unresolved in their lives. And it, it, it clogs up the pipe through which the blessings flow. See, you know, you, you can't, listen, if you're blocking forgiveness from coming into your heart, you're blocking God from giving you forgiveness. That's what it says, isn't it? It says, if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And that, this thing works two ways. You can't block forgiving somebody else and then say, oh, but God, you forgive me. It doesn't work like that. Amen? The whole thing has got to be open. Amen? Amen. And, and the other thing is people have got to learn to forgive themselves. Because if you're all bound up with, with, with frustration and, and bitterness uh, and, and, and upset and, and mental disturbance over stuff that you've done, uh, that, that you, you've never really kind of, you, you can't get over that, you know, you, you got to let the forgiveness of God work in your heart and move that stuff out of the way. There's not a single one of us that hasn't made mistakes in life. Not one of us. And not a single one of us, if you want to stop and ponder on it, that wouldn't look back and shake your head at some of the stuff you've done. Not a single one of us. But you know what? The Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. In other words, it's either gone or it's not. And Jesus said, it's gone. The Bible says that God cast our sin as far from us as the east is from the west, as far as heaven is above the earth, and he remembers our iniquity no more. I mean, I have literally had this experience, literally messed up, said something I shouldn't have said, did something I shouldn't have done, and then went to God and said, God, forgive me. I, Lord, I, 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 just, I just messed up. Forgive me, Lord. I, I plead the blood of Jesus, and I, I ask you to forgive me. Help me never to do that again. And then five or ten minutes later, I come up in my mind again. I say, oh, God, please forgive me. And God would say, forgive you for what? Well, you know that, what? Because the moment you sincerely repent, God wipes it away. It's done. It's done. It's over. Now, of course, you know, we don't play this game with God that, you know, we, we sin and then say, forgive me, and then we sin and then say, forgive me. I mean, you know, you got the Bible, the, the word repent is the word metanoia, which means first you change your mind. You turn your mind in another direction. You begin to make a different confession and your flesh and your body will follow you. Amen. amen. You make a commitment. No, no, no. I'm, I, 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 I don't do that. Amen. amen. We talked about it um, uh, on the call on Wednesday night. You've you got to have a confession. If there's something that's dogging your life, something that you haven't been able to get rid of, I don't care what it is, smoking, cursing, 
promiscuity, whatever it is, you got to build a confession based on the word of God and you got to confess that thing morning, noon, and night and sow that thing into your spirit because the word of God, the Bible says, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will, it, will, it will cut to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It will discern the thoughts and intents of the heart and it's cleansing. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means separate them from all that is sinful. The word will separate you from it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So healing and forgiveness really go together. Now look, you can get people healed who don't know God. You can do that. But it ought to be a calling card to make them want to know God. Just like this woman who came in behalf of her daughter, it became a calling card. She wanted the whole package. She didn't just want that momentary healing. Now, I know there's some people whose hearts are not right. And, and, like, and, and Jesus encountered them too, like the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus went up to him and said, would you be made whole? Jesus said, well, he said, well, every time I try to get down, somebody comes in first and the angel troubles the water before I get. And Jesus just looked at him, I guess thought, did I ask you that? <laughs> he gave me this long explanation for why you haven't gotten healed. And Jesus just healed the man. But he said something to him. He said, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You know what that means? That man got himself in that condition. Something he did, that's not always the case, we know that. But in this instance, something that man did got him into that situation. Now Jesus said, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You know what he did? Went and told scribes and Pharisees, you looking for that Jesus? Yeah, he healed me. Here, he's over there. Jesus has told him, don't, 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 don't go broadcasting. They came to him right away. Right away, he's diming him out. In other words, he still didn't learn his lesson. You see what I'm saying? That man did not learn his lesson. But Jesus healed him, didn't he? Let's keep this in mind. Getting people healed, seeing people, seeing miracles work in people's lives is not always going to change them. But nevertheless, it's a calling card that God gives us to help people understand the reality of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. So that they understand Christianity is not a religion. It's not we just because we're just going through some motions and we're doing really good religious stuff and we feel good about ourselves. And then, we, you know, we sort of bend ourselves in the pretzels, patting ourselves on the back, how good religious people we are. And all of it is not worth a quarter. But given inflation ain't worth, I mean, you know what a quarter is worth today. I mean, no, we're, we're, we, we, we are people who are seeking to follow the true and the living God. In fact, see, this is an important thing because a lot of people say, well, I, I, I don't have a problem with God, but, but I have a problem with organized religion. Organized religion. I say, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I have a problem with organized religion. I have a problem with religion, period. Religion's dangerous, saints. It's dangerous. I mean, re people who are religious do all kinds of stuff in the name of religion. Remember that the children, and this is not new, the children of Israel in the name of offering to, to pagan gods like Baal and Molech would heat up these metal statues to, to white hot, as hot as they could get them, and then take their, their, their little babies and put them in the arms of these flaming statues and burn the baby up as an offering to this pagan god. That's religion. It's demonic. See, Satan invented religion. Satan invented religion because he's a counterfeiter. And that's what he always does. 
Well, they're all over there trying to follow Jesus. Let me give them something else to follow. Hey, look, y'all, how about this elephant? <laughs> and people say, yeah, that does look pretty good. He's big, yeah, yeah, that's my God right there. But that's the, that's the spiritual gullibility of human beings. Amen? And I don't care what it is. I look at some of the stuff that Hindus get into. I mean, the, the, the thing's got 10 arms, six eyes, snakes coming out of her hair. And that's supposed to be your God? And look, that's supposed to help you? And people say, yeah. Because you know, I heard one time there was a big, there was a big um, thing in India where they were saying that, um, that, that, that all these, these, I think it was elephants, see, because you know, they worshiped the elephant uh, and, and other things, and that all these elephants were drinking the baby's milk. And the babies couldn't get milk because the elephant God was drinking it. Now, you know, there's people pouring that milk out in the toilet somewhere and claiming some elephant drank it. Ain't no elephant drinking no milk. <laughs> uh, you know, although, look, Satan, Satan is a deceiver. So I had no doubt some of them didn't get convinced that that was what was going on. But, but saints, that's, that's religion. That's what religion does. I mean, you got down there in Jamaica, the Rastafarians, they just swear the higher they get, the closer they get to God. I mean, religion. And worshiping Haile Selassie. He dead. And wasn't worth much when he was alive. But he's their God. And I don't even know whether he smoked marijuana, but I don't know how they put the Haile Selassie and marijuana together, but they got Haile Selassie and I mean, saints, religion is horrible, horrible. And the worst thing that can happen is for churches to sort of descend into it, and many have. And I say descend because it's a downward spiral. Many have become religious institutions rather than institutions of faith and power and commitment to the living God and to, and to living for Jesus Christ. Instead, it becomes religion. I know because I experienced some of it. I told you I was in a meeting one time when I was in a denomination and a, a preacher came and he's supposed to be giving us a lecture because they like to do lectures and preaching. That's one of the, somebody's telling me about this, this big minister's conference, which I don't go to because I know it ain't nothing but a hooping contest. And somebody was telling me not too long about the Conites, you know, the Conites. Yeah, you know, some of these brothers are Conites. And James Cone is demonic. He's the one who goes around. If you let him in, he'll come to your church and tell your church how you all have to stop being homophobic and realize, in fact, I, I, read, I didn't even know he said this. I just read this this past weekend, uh, this past week. He actually has gone out and said, the church needs to learn from the LGBT community what love really is. And you got preachers running around talking about, man, James Cone, James Cone, man, James Cone's the man. Well, you know, he talks black liberation theology. So, you know, I, I've said, look, and I believe this for some people, I hope nobody in here, but for some people who are racially minded, if, if, if they're really, you know, sort of into the black thing, if the devil was black, they'd be saying, man, get that brother a break, man. That, 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 man, come on, man. <laughs> you know, you know they just out to get that brother because he's black. And you could just extrapolate, you know, white people, you know, anybody who's racially minded, then they're, they're looking for something that, that speaks to their flesh rather than something that speaks to the spirit of God, amen? 
and reflects what God wants for their lives. Amen. But that's, and that's what religion will often do. You know, religion will satisfy the flesh. I mean, you all realize some of the crazy stuff. I, I saw a documentary about a woman who had joined the Church of Scientology. And you know, the Church of Scientology, they believe that we are all, I mean, this stuff is so crazy. <laughs> but they believe that we've all been planted by aliens. And, and we planted millions of years ago, and we have many, many lives that you know, we have unresolved stuff in. And when you join the Church of Scientology, they help you to get clear. That's the word clear on all your past lives. So you, know, you go to these counseling sessions. Now, you don't have to spend about $300,000 to get clear. That's all it takes, $300,000, you know, because the higher up you go, the, the, the more, oh man, you, you, you're getting close to clear now. <laughs> and this woman's son has schizophrenia and the church, the, the church of Scientology, it ain't, it's not a church. See, the word church comes from the Greek word, I mean, not the Greek word, the German word, kortike, which was spelled with a K. We brought it into kortik with a C-H. And the word Kirk, the name Kirk, that's, that, that name means church. So the church means, comes from ultimately the Greek word kordios, and church means the people of the Lord. So when they call it the church of Scientology, they're told a lie right there. <laughs> told a lie right there because they're not the people of the Lord. Okay? But at any rate, they don't believe in seeing doctors. And you know, you see a doctor, you get shunned. You must not really be clear. Well, the poor boy had schizophrenia. He didn't know anything about casting out them devils and praying for him and anointing him with oil. And, 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 and look, and in the meantime, sure, getting him treatment to, to try to you know, keep him calm and keep him safe. And finally, after all this time spent, they had him going to these classes, you know, where they, they're asking you all these personal questions and delving into your personal life because obviously they need to know everything about you, everything wrong you've ever done. So when you get ready to leave, they can say, now you know, we know what you did. And we're the ones who are going to protect you. In other words, a way of roping people, manipulating people. He finally killed his mother. Finally killed her. That's what, that's what religion will get you. Yeah, he finally killed her. Just, you know, just went off and just killed her. So, so saints, religion is dangerous. Amen? I don't say these things to put these people down, but, but, but what we were talking about earlier, what was being spoken about earlier, Everybody is being discipled in one way or another. And it's our job to, to help them to understand how to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the only discipleship that's real. Amen? Amen. 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 So healing and forgiveness, healing and salvation. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Of course, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but let's, let's take a, again take a fresh look at this. Because saints, people need answers. Amen. Do you know the one thing you can be sure of for every single person you'll ever meet? They got problems. Every single one of them. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care what they do. I don't think they can be famous. I, it, it doesn't matter. They got problems. Ask somebody telling me about a, about a sports team. Um, who has been a chaplain for a sports team, telling me about, he said, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old millionaires, just as messed up and confused as they can be. 
Got plenty of money, got fame, but just their lives are just a wreck. I mean, we see it broadcast on television. Everybody you'll ever meet has problems. The only thing is, if you meet people who actually know the Lord, they're not burdened, at they, they know the Lord and they know the word of God, they're not burdened down by those problems because they know who the answer is. Amen. So now walking around, oh man. And you know, how many of you have this experience? You say something to somebody, you begin to minister to them on a spiritual level, and the person just starts to break down. So there was something so heavy on their hearts that the moment you broached it without even realizing maybe what you were saying, the tears came up and, and the person breaks down. That's because there's, some, there's a need there that they have and nothing they've been doing is answering it. Because only God can. Amen? Amen. 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 Go to Isaiah 53. Let's just read verses 4 and 5 together. Uh, and, and let me slow you down as we read it. Read that first phrase. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now look, the word griefs is a, is a Hebrew word, hali, which means sickness and disease. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and diseases. See? So when he went on the cross, he not only bore your sin, he bore your sicknesses and diseases. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And that word sorrows, it, it's the word macabre. It means physical or mental affliction and pain. You've been in pain? He's, he bore your pain. He is the answer. He's the salve. He's the bomb in Gilead. Read on. It says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Praise God. That word heal, Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. We are, he is our healer. By his stripes, we were healed. So when we confess, Lord, thank you. By your stripes, I was healed. It's, it's biblical. Yeah. Not making it up. When people say, well, you know, that's, you're trying to name it and claim it. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to name it and claim it. Amen. Now, if it's not in the Bible, I don't have any right to name it and claim it, as they, as they put it, unless I've got a promise that God has put in my spirit. This is what, this is what God wants to do for me. Amen. I'm believing that. But I don't have the right to just believe any old thing because I make something up. Yeah, I want this. I'm, 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 I'm confessing it. Well, you just confess yourself into oblivion. It's, what, what, whatever you're believing for, it's got to be rooted and grounded and founded in the word of God. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Here's the third thing, and I think I'll be able to wrap this one up. So we know that healing is part of the covenant. We know that healing and forgiveness and salvation are part of one package. But here's something that you need to understand. Persistence is critical. It's critical. Don't ever assume that, well, we're walking in power. Uh, I prayed for that person. I haven't seen any results. I'm done with it. No, 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 no. You got to persist. You got to persist in your confession. You got to persist in your prayer. You got to persist in thanking God for the breakthrough and for the outcome. You can't just either give up or walk away. See, this, this is the problem with cowardly Christians. This is why a lot of them buy this mess. Well, God doesn't want to heal everybody. They, and, and they're afraid to pray for healing because they're afraid the person might die. And then they feel like, oh, I look like a fool. I don't care. I mean, I don't care if a person dies. I don't care what I look like. I'm trying to get the person healed. 
can be worried about what I look like and how I'm going to appear if this doesn't work out. Forget it. Glory to God. You know, uh, when I haven't, I haven't been doing a whole lot of speaking prophetically into the lives of people lately, but when I do that, you know, one of the first hurdles people overcome is, well, what if I'm wrong? What I learned is, if you are sincerely trying to hear from God, when you hear from him, you speak. And when you haven't heard from him, you shut up. And God said this to me, son, you, I will never let you fall flat on your face for trying to be obedient to me. Amen. And that's the confidence that I have. I, I never even worry about people. I, I, don't, I don't know what that meant. I don't either. <laughs> you know? It doesn't, doesn't matter. Amen. But, but you know what? I've had people come back sometimes, years later, years later, and say, you know, you spoke a word to me and I've forgotten it. I said, really? They said, yeah. And you know, such and such stuff happened. I said, really? Yeah, praise the Lord. See, if I get all worried about, well, you know, uh, uh, they didn't even know what, uh, Lord, maybe I better not do that. <laughs> they, I don't know, they don't, didn't, mean, didn't mean anything. That doesn't matter. Because you're, you're speaking in the spirit, amen? And sometimes, look, things that you may speak into the life of a person as God moves you. Now, now, now watch this, you know, because parking lot prophecies can be dangerous. You don't let everybody be speaking into your life. And, every, and I say, because people, because I travel a lot and see a lot of people, I get a lot of that. And you know what my attitude is? If it confirms what I already heard, already know, I receive it. And if it doesn't, I just say, well, Lord, I don't despise prophecy, but I put that in your hands. And move on. Uh, believe me, I ain't going down to Dallas and have somebody come up to me. The Lord told me to tell you, you should stay here. And then Sister Jackson said, well, Bishop ain't coming back because somebody spoke to him in the parking lot and told him he's supposed to stay here. <laughs> no, the Lord didn't tell me that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, one of my mentors, Dr. Rafe Kelly, used to say people would come up to him and, and tell him, you know, the Lord told me to tell you. And he said, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. God is not afraid of me, and when he gets ready to tell me something, he's not intimidated. He'll let me know. Thank you very much. And cut that, because, you know, a lot of, see, people will use this stuff to manipulate you. And you all know that. We just had a man get 40 years in prison. And somebody was saying, you know, what a great ministry he built. Yeah, but he was a pedophile. People will use the Bible and use religion to manipulate folks. Amen. 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 But look, persistence, persistence. Go to Mark chapter 8. Go to Mark chapter 8. So look, your attitude has got to be this. God promised me healing. Healing is part of my covenant. I'm going to get it. Period. I don't care if it takes five minutes or takes five years. I'm going to get what God has promised to me. Amen. 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 Don't let the devil stop you. Somebody came up to me after, I think, a sermon a week or two ago where I said, you know, when you pray about something, when you go to God before something, I said, uh, about something, I said, the first thing you ought to understand is Satan's going to try to convince you that nothing you did was effective. Something's going to come in from the left or the right, and, and it's going to look worse than it did before. The devil is a lie. But he, that's what he tries to do, try to convince you. See, that didn't even work. Oh, it worked. That's why he's coming at you, trying to get you to stop, cut off that power. Because he's, he's trying to manipulate and get, get his thing done. You're praying to God. If he can get you to stop that, just stop putting your faith in God, then he's got you. 
And you ought to expect that, say, devil, you're a lie. I know my prayer work. Praise the name of the Lord. Look, look, saints, you know, I've, every time now and then I mention Smith Wigglesworth, because he, he was a great, great man of God. And they say he was in a, a, a healing line one time and um, say came up on a guy who was laying on a, they, they brought him in in a hospital bed and he's laying in the line and Smith Wigglesworth comes up to him, man can barely move. And, you know, just laid out. And Smith Wigglesworth looks at him. And he, he apparently, this is one of the things he would do as the Lord led him. He looked at the man, hauled off, hit him. Bam! The man's body jumped up off the bed, arms tipped out. <laughs> and the man went. The, the woman who was with him apparently knows something said, You killed him! You killed him! You killed the man! Smith Wigglesworth had a very heavy Welsh accent, and he just looked at it and said, he's healed, which meant he's healed. He's healed. And she looked at it and said, he's dead. He's dead. He's healed. And went on and prayed for the next person. Prayed for the next person. Prayed for the next person. Got way down the line. Next thing you know, a commotion down there. This man jumped up off the bed and come running down there to Smith Wigglesworth saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Smith Wigglesworth just looked at it. He's healed. <laughs> He didn't allow what he saw to affect his faith. See, this is what we do. This is why we come up with these doctrines. Well, you know, God doesn't want to heal everybody. That's because somebody prayed for somebody and they didn't get any results. So now they made up something to try to convince them and themselves that, well, you know, it doesn't always work. But it always works. It always works. Amen. We just don't always work it. That's the problem. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Okay. Uh, where did I tell you to go? Go to, uh, to, to Mark chapter 8. Let's read that. It says, uh, verses 22. Uh, yeah, let's read. Start at verse 22. Read verse 22 and 20. 22 and 20. Uh, read 22 through 24. It says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Now, this dispels the myth that every time Jesus sought to heal somebody, the results were instantaneous. This is one of those cases where it was not. And there may be some others because John said all the things that Jesus did, if they were written in the book, said all the books in the world couldn't hold them all. So there may have been other instances, but in this case, he said, well, how, what, 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 what's going on? Jesus asked him, what do you see? The man said, well, I see men like trees. In other words, here's what he's saying. I see something, but my vision's not clear. That's what he's saying. So read on. It says, 25th verse, it says, then he put his hands on, uh, his, hands on his eyes again. Did, uh, when? Did it what? Again. Again. You got to be persistent. Even Jesus didn't say, well, I prayed for you. Something must be wrong with your faith. He put his hands on him again. Let's read that again. It says, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Praise God. Saints, don't be discouraged because you don't see the results that you're looking for right away. Persist. 
You know, Luke 18 says a man ought always, men ought always to pray and not faint, not lose heart, not give up. And then he told the parable about that, that woman uh, and the unjust judge. And, and of course, he wasn't saying God is unjust, but he was saying, look, this woman and her persistence even brought an unjust judge around to doing what she needed him to do. And he says, well, then will not God, who is not unjust, who loves you, will he not answer you speedily, though he bears long with you? And if you look at the, the Greek behind that, what it's saying is, will he not answer you in a timely way because his passion for you never wanes? <laughs> 